Yes, the reading is uh, Luke chapter 24. Uh, Jesus has died and has risen, and he's talking to his disciples. Luke 24, beginning at page 40, uh, verse 44. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. Thanks again for such a warm welcome. It's really lovely to be with you. And uh, very conscious as I speak about mission with a church here in Bishop Hannington Hove, that you're already a church with a great heart for the nations. And we hope you'll be encouraged today, as well as challenged from God's word. Let me pray for us, and then we'll turn back to Luke 24. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that song has just reminded us that you are worthy of all praise. We thank you that you alone are God, and we thank you that you are the Lord of all the earth. And we recognize that still today there are parts of the world with little or no access to the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, where people are yet to praise your name. And we pray today you would renew our confidence that these peoples can be reached and must be reached. And we pray you would lay on our hearts how we might play our part in this great mission of the Lord Jesus in our world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Title this morning is The Global Work of Jesus and the Mission of the Church. We're going to think simply about three big, three fundamental questions relating to world mission. The first is this. When it comes to mission, what is the basis of our confidence? I don't know if any of you play the game, Would You Rather? There's a schoolboy favourite of mine, still like to play with the kids these days. The game goes a bit like this. You give people two equally horrendous scenarios and they must choose to face one of them. So it might go like this at school. Would you rather do a length of the school swimming pool with a shark in it or a crocodile in it? Or would you rather do a lap of the school field with a a bear in it or a tiger in it? Cogs are whirring. I can see a few people pondering uh, their response. You know, for honest, I think getting involved in mission can sometimes seem about as appealing as facing one of those choices. Would you rather stand up in front of all your workmates and tell them you're a Christian, you really love Jesus with all your heart and soul, or would you rather wax your head with parcel tape? Would you rather do first contact evangelism outside the local mosque or pluck out all your fingernails? Would you rather leave your home, your job, your family, learn a new language, be in a new country and culture, or go to a foot spa that's filled with piranhas? What would you rather do? 
not trying to be flippant as we begin this morning. You see, the reality is when we raise our heads above the parapets and we think about the mission needs close to home or somewhere far away across a sea, it can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming, can't it? A bit too much, like it's beyond us somehow. When we look at the people that we want to reach and we consider what we'd need to do to make that happen, if we're honest, sometimes we have no confidence we could do it and we have little confidence it would make any difference if we tried. Maybe we sing that song sometimes to the tune of O Danny Boy and we get to that line, I cannot tell how he will win the nations. And we're sitting there nodding our heads in agreement. I wonder, friends, where is our confidence to be found when it comes to mission, whether close to home or around the world? I guess sometimes we look for our confidence in people, don't we? On a day like today, a mission, a mission Sunday, we might focus in on the great missionaries of the past or the present. And don't get me wrong, there's a place for doing that. Great helpfulness in things like mission biographies. We hear the inspiring tales of people who have gone before. They've, they've done things that go above and beyond what's humanly possible, we might think. But then we think about ourselves and we say, well, we're just not like them, are we? They were the exception and we're the norm. Maybe other times we try and find our confidence for mission in our, in our strategies or our mission methods. We hear people give those great predictions for the future, the world reached in our generation. People talk a good game, but we're not convinced. We've maybe heard it all before. So this morning, we're going to look beyond ourselves and we're going to listen to what Jesus says. Because Jesus says something which will revolutionize where we find our confidence when it comes to mission and what's going to happen. Come with me to Luke 24 and verse 44. Here's Jesus, the risen Jesus, standing before his disciples. And in Luke 24 verse 44, we read this. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Jesus saying something very profound to the disciples. He's saying everything promised about me in the Old Testament scriptures, not just I will fulfill these things. He's saying I must fulfill these things. So, of course, the question is, what is written about him that he must fulfill? We read on. Verse 45, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. And Jesus goes on to to say that there are three things written about me that I must fulfill. These things must happen. See if you can spot them as I read on. This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. See those three things that Jesus very plainly says he must fulfill that are written about him. First, verse 46, he must suffer. Second, also verse 46, he must rise again. Third, verse 47, repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations. So how's it going with those promises of Jesus then? Well, of course, we get to the end of Luke's gospel here and the first two of those promises have already been fulfilled. Jesus says he must suffer and he has. He's gone to the cross to take the punishment. Our sin deserved. He said he must rise from the dead and he has. He's risen back to life so that those who put their trust in him might know eternal life for themselves. But here's this third promise. 
a message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins must be preached in his name to all nations. You get to the end of Luke's gospel, that thing hasn't been fulfilled yet, has it? But of course we're not to fear because Luke's account goes on into the book of Acts. The ascension of Jesus is not the end of the story. Acts chapter 1 and verse 1, we read the following. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Here we see the story goes on. Here's a book, the book of Acts, written to the same person, Theophilus, by the same person with the same intention to give an account of all that Jesus was going to fulfill. You see, Jesus' work continues today. Jesus is at work from heaven on earth by his promised Holy Spirit there in Acts 1 verse 2. Which means the thing that perhaps appears outstanding at the end of Luke's Gospel, it's not been forgotten. Jesus will fulfill everything written about him. That the Gospel message will be preached in his name to all nations. It will happen because he said it must happen. Let's summarise where we're up to so far then. All of this teaches us something remarkable about where we find our confidence in mission. And it's this. It is as certain that the gospel will go to all nations as it is certain that Jesus died and rose again. Do we get that? It is as certain that the gospel will go to all nations as it is certain that Jesus died and rose again. Why? Because at the end of Luke's gospel, Jesus says, I must fulfill all of these things. So here's a question, friends. Do you believe that Jesus died? Do you believe that he really rose again and he's alive today? If you're a Christian here this morning, they are the fundamental parts of our faith. If we believe those things, we can believe with the same level of certainty that the gospel will go to all nations. Friends, this gives us great confidence, doesn't it? When it comes to mission. Because ultimately, it's his mission before it's our mission. Mission is first and foremost about Jesus before it's about you or it's about me. And so our confidence, it's in him and not ourselves. Our confidence is not first and foremost in our mission agencies and our training colleges as helpful as those things might be. Our confidence is not primarily in our background or our qualifications as much as God might choose to use those things. It's not on our methods or our missionary strategies. Our confidence in mission is in Jesus. It's in him. The gospel will be preached the gospel must be preached in his name to all nations because Jesus has said it must happen. The success of mission rests on his promise and we can believe it, can't we? Jesus is at work today on earth from heaven, seeing to it that that promise is fulfilled all around the world. So there's our first question this morning. When it comes to mission, what is the basis of our confidence? Simple answer, the Lord Jesus and his promise It is as certain the gospel will go to all nations as it is certain that Jesus died and rose again. Second question for us. When it comes to mission, what is the nature of our call? The next slide, please. Thank you. When it comes to mission, what is the nature of our call? Or maybe in more simple English, what are we to be about as Christian people as we follow Jesus on this mission? What is our vision? What is our mission? 
you know, of course, the business world likes to pour millions of pounds in trying to answer questions like this, doesn't it? Maybe when you hear talk of vision and mission, you kind of glaze over, you get a bit cynical. You've maybe sat in too many meetings over the years like I have with the flip charts out and the luminous post-it notes are scattered and, well, there's more talk about vision and mission and it's going to be half an hour of your life or half a day of your life. You're not going to get back again. I used to work for Boots in pharmacy management work for a few years and uh, I was helping to lead one day a session for some of our management trainees. The start of the session, this is what we had to do. This is real life. It actually happened. We had to ask all the participants of this uh, new training program to write down in one word what was their vision for this new learning experience. It gets worse. Okay, so they hand out the luminous post-it notes, give them their marker pens. They all write down dutifully their one word vision for this learning experience. We collect all of these things in and we put them on the flip chart and we start to read them out. Dream. Exceed. Grow. Challenge. Gets even more awkward. We then proceed, okay, in this training package, we then proceed to put the post-it notes onto a pack of cheap fireworks, which we, we launch from the emergency exit door at the side of the office as a sign of this vision being launched for this new training. We used to get paid for doing this kind of thing. All of which to say, when we talk about vision and mission, we can get very cynical, can't we, quite quickly. It can all get a bit awkward. But of course, this thing can be done well. It needs to be done well. There's a reason that companies pour millions of pounds into this kind of thing. Companies need to know what they're doing, what they're to invest in, what they're all about, what the workforce should focus on day to day. So what about us as Christian people? What is our mission? What are we to be about? The word mission is the Tim Chester book makes a point of uh, that we showed you earlier on. The word mission comes from a Latin word, mitere, meaning to be sent. Which Christian people have been already. We have been sent. John 20 verse 21, those famous words. Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. We've been sent on a mission by Jesus if we've put our trust in him. But again, the question remains, what is the nature of that mission? What are we to be about? What are we to give ourselves to? You know, to find the answer to that question, we don't need to scratch our heads for too long. We don't need to bring in the kind of spiritual gurus or the church management consultants because Jesus, he spells out the answer to that question very plainly. Come back with me to Luke 24. Remember, Jesus has said three things must be fulfilled. He must suffer. He must be raised from the dead. And the gospel must be preached in his name to all nations. How will that happen? Well, of course, it will happen because Jesus has promised it will happen. But here's the question. By what means will Jesus choose to use so the gospel does go to all nations? Verse 48. Here's Jesus' answer. Very plain. You are witnesses of these things. Jesus says to his disciples, and in turn to us who follow Jesus and have the same apostolic message, he says, you are witnesses of these things. See, Jesus has given us something very specific to do. Our mission, Jesus says, is to bear witness to all that we have seen and heard of the Lord Jesus. Notice there in verse 47, this kind of witness bearing, it involves speaking. The gospel message is to be preached, it's to be shared. It's why we're given the Holy Spirit, isn't it? There in verse 49, we see later in Acts, the Holy Spirit gives us the boldness to be speaking witnesses. 
for Jesus. So here then, friends, is our mission. Verse 48, we're to be witnesses of these things. We're to speak of Jesus' death for the forgiveness of sins. We're to speak of his resurrection that alone can bring new life, eternal life. We're to share this message of a, of a gospel, a good news of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, at the end of Matthew's gospel, puts it like this. We're to make disciples of all nations. Now, in one sense, that is wonderfully simple, isn't it? Beautifully clear. Yet the reality is, in the midst of lots of good activity, we can easily lose sight, can't we, of this mission that Jesus has given us. I read not long ago about a man who was involved in preparations for a big missions conference. This is what he wrote. Here are his observations. He says, as time passed, I didn't hear a great deal of emphasis on the topic of global evangelization. I heard about a multitude of other extremely urgent and important matters such as migration, human trafficking, urbanization, globalization, poverty, Islam, and so the list went on. I heard a great deal about the need for the church to address the major humanitarian issues of the day. Again, very timely and important topics to which the church should respond. He goes on, but where was the emphasis on reaching the unreached people groups? Where was the emphasis on evangelizing the different population segments of the world? When did we see his point? As this guy looked at the particular church scene that he was a part of, he was worried there'd been a mission drift. That the fundamental thing that Jesus had sent us into the world to do had been pushed to one side by other important things. Now please don't miss Hema this morning. It's really important we don't mishear things this morning. As Christians, we are to love with actions and in truth. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18. What we do matters as well as what we say. As Christians, we are to have compassion on the neglected as Jesus Christ himself supremely modeled. As Christians, we are to be concerned with issues of justice and mercy in our world. Just read the book of Micah if you're not quite convinced about those things. Issues like global poverty, human trafficking, lack of access to medical care or clean water, those things really matter. Through medical relief work and pharmacy development work overseas, Rachel, my wife, and I have been involved in some of those things. UFM has missionaries working among street kids and rubbish dump workers, the urban poor, people caught in the sex industry. Just recently we had a missionary return from 38 years in Papua who had given a life as a nurse, helping those with HIV and AIDS. Yet, friends, as we engage rightly in those acts of love and compassion and concern, whether they're close to home or far away across the world, as we model the love of Christ, friends, we've got to go on speaking of the love of Christ. The mission that Jesus has given to us involves the evangelization of the world, the proclamation of the gospel of grace, the bearing witness to the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There is something specific about this mission that Jesus Christ has given to his people. Let's not lose this key part of our mission efforts. What's the nature of our call in mission? Jesus says we're to be witnesses of Jesus Christ, speaking the gospel message. We're to make disciples of all nations. Thirdly, Finally, when it comes to mission, what is the scope of our commission 
That is, where is Jesus sending us on this mission that he calls us to participate in? Well, I'd like to turn over, please, to Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Now, if you've been around church for any length of time at all, maybe you're sitting there in your chair thinking, come on, Michael, Mission Sunday, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, is this, is this the best you've got? We've heard this all before. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Have you not got something more original for us? You know, one of the dangers of getting too familiar with verses in the Bible is we think we've got it all in the bag, don't we? We think we've got it all in the bag. We know what it means and we can move on to something else. Well, let's just pause for a moment, shall we? And take a fresh look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. We love to categorize things in life, don't we? Makes it maybe easier to understand how things fit together. We, we stick labels on things. and We can do that with our mission work. And particularly, I think we can do that with Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when it comes to thinking about mission. Here's how it normally goes. You ought to be witnesses in Jerusalem. We think, okay, well, what does that mean? Maybe for us that means mission close to home. Category number one. Something, of course, we're all involved in. Then we're told we're to be witnesses in all Judea and Samaria. Well, let's call that category number two of mission. Maybe regional mission or, or national mission. Maybe supporting a student ministry or a, a, a worker that supports Christians facing opposition in the workplace. Category number two, and maybe some of us will be involved in that kind of mission. And then we're told uh, the Holy Spirit will come on us and help us to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. Oh, well, look at this, category three, it's all very neat. We'll call this world mission. And of course, just a few people are involved in that. And what happens is this, we have category one, the local mission, category two, the regional mission, category three, the world mission. It begins to get a bit more niche as you move through the categories. Friends, is the problem of using the verse in that way because by the end of the book of Acts, of course, the gospel has already gone to Jerusalem and it's already gone to Judea and Samaria and it's even beginning to make progress to the ends of the earth, which means the reality is this, whether we're in England or Eritrea, Sussex or Stockholm, in terms of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, we are all today at the ends of the earth. We're not sitting in Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria this morning, we're sitting in Hove. In terms of salvation history, we are all at the ends of the earth. You say, well, what? Nice little point. What, what is your point? Well, there's some really helpful implications, I think, for our mission when we understand this. First, if we acknowledge we're all at the ends of the earth today, we see there's no kind of spiritual hierarchy when it comes to mission. Speaking and living for Jesus in Hove or Halifax is no more or less important than, than doing the same in Haiti or Honduras. There's not kind of some uh, league table system for Christians. You know, Premier League, if you're going to go overseas. Championship level, if you're going to do a bit of the kind of interesting national mission, and well, you're just kind of in the non-league system with the rest of them, if you're just a regular Christian staying at home. It doesn't work like that. There's no spiritual hierarchy in mission. We are all at the ends of the earth. Second implication, when we realize we're all at the ends of the earth, global mission involvements becomes somehow less mysterious. It's taken out of that third category labelled niche and it's moved very firmly into the category labelled normal. A plain normal thing to do. Thinking about leaving your job, 
and moving with your family or your friends to a different part of the world to learn a new language, to invest in a new culture, to share the Lord Jesus there. That is not an odd thing for a Christian to think about. Just plain normal. Not easy, but it's just plain normal. Third implication. When we see we're all at the ends of the earth, there's no great distinction between local mission and global mission. We don't need to play one off against the other. They're both important. They both need to happen. They go hand in hand. Because when it comes to the mission that Jesus has called us to, it is who we speak of that is of primary importance, not where we go. Having said that, we've got to realise that geography remains hugely important. Because while we're all at the ends of the earth, we have not yet gone to all the ends of the earth. Do we see the distinction? Whilst we all find ourselves at the ends of the earth, we have not yet gone as Christian people to all the ends of the earth. There are still so many places where the gospel is not known. We'll think more about this theme this evening. You know, in the Indonesian language, the phrase for an unreached people group, that is a a people who've not yet had a chance to hear the good news of Jesus. The phrase is suku terbaikan. Which when you translate it literally means a people ignored. You know friends, the mission that Jesus gives us, it compels us to stop ignoring people. It urges us to look out beyond our own circumstances and situations and it challenges us to love not only our own community and our own nation, but the whole world. It's becoming increasingly common in in uh, church circles, I think, in the UK these days, to say something like this, you know, of course the world has come to us. As if somehow the whole missionary task could be conveniently finished off in our own backyard, in our own green and pleasant land. And of course, God has changed the makeup of British society in all sorts of ways. Praise God for the different nations represented here in the church family this morning. Think of the huge number of international students coming to Brighton and Hove every year for university, every summer for English English language schools. We think of the immigrant communities that God is moving around the world. These things don't happen by chance. Acts 17, God appoints people's times and places. So that God has changed the makeup of UK society in recent years, that is unquestionable. Praise God for the opportunity it gives us. Let's keep taking it. Cross-cultural witness close to home. Yet, friends, we've got to understand The rest of the world is still out there. They're all still out there. It hasn't all come to us, has it? In fact, if you look at stats of population growth over the last 20 years, you'll find something very interesting indeed. Because the population in the world outside the UK is growing much more rapidly than it is here in the UK, you'll find there are 1.5 billion more people outside the UK than there were a generation ago. Do we hear that? 1.5 billion more people outside the UK than there were a generation ago. And whole swathes of them are yet to have an opportunity to hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, the world has moved on, hasn't it? Since the famous missionary Hudson Taylor got on his boat and sailed to China. Yes, we understand, don't we? Praise God. The church in parts of the global south, what once was called the developing world, It's growing much faster in parts than it is here. Praise God for that. Yet, you know, friends, despite the changes in the world church and despite the challenges we face on mission close to home, despite the weaknesses we feel as we go about that, we've got to understand the British church relative to many nations remains very rich indeed. I'm not just talking financially. 
Our history is saturated, saturated with Christian influence. Our libraries are packed with theological resources in our own language. We are falling over them. Our ministers, on the whole, are well-educated and well-trained. In this job, one of the privileges is to visit different parts of the world, to visit missionaries and partners in the places where they serve. I've often looked back to the UK on some of those trips, and I thought it's like we're swimming in this deep pool of blessing here in the UK, and sometimes we don't even know it. Or we've forgotten just how fortunate we are. And some of those who've had the privilege to serve alongside around the world would give their right arm just to dip their toe in the water of the blessing we enjoy. So friends, let's pray that God would help us to use the blessings we've received. Yes, we do it with humility. We haven't got all the answers of the British church. Of course not. We've got to be humble to receive missionaries as well as passionate to send them. But let's use what God has blessed us with to be a blessing to others, even to the ends of the earth. You know, like the mission itself, the implication of all of this is very, very basic, very clear. Some of you need to go to places you've never been, to people who have never heard. It's not a complicated message to hear, is it? It's not an easy message, as we'll hear this evening, but it's a very simple message. Some of you need to go to places, some of us need to go to places. You've never been to people who've never heard. And the rest of us need intentionally to send people to places they've never been to. To people who've never heard. So that was our third question. When it comes to mission, what is the scope of our commission? Answer, it's global. It's international. It has all peoples and all nations in mind. It's always been that way and it always will be that way till the Lord Jesus Christ returns. The world has not. And the world will not come to us in its entirety. And so we must continue to go. And we continue to send and support because we are witnesses of all that Jesus has said and done that the nations might surely come to him. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for an opportunity this morning to listen to the words of the Lord Jesus. And to think on this great theme of mission uh, to the nations. We praise you that the The success of this mission is not in our hands, but it is in your hands. And we can be as confident that the gospel will go to all nations as we are confident that Jesus died and rose again. Lord, we pray then as we engage in mission and we face the highs and the lows, the excitements and the disappointments, help us to keep walking on that narrow path that leads to life. Help us to keep sowing the seed, not to lose heart, but to trust you. We thank you so much, Lord, too, that you call us to participate in your mission to be witnesses. Lord, we pray even today and tomorrow in our situations in our homes and our workplaces and other situations that you might open up doors of opportunity for us to love people with the love of Christ and to speak to them with the message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray too then you would help us to have this global mindset, not to put the blinkers on and only think about our own backyard, but to have a love and a compassion for the wider world. Lord, we pray you might even lay it on people's hearts here to to be willing to go and for others here to continue in the great ministry of sending and supporting people in a manner worthy of the Lord. Father, we thank you for these things and we pray for your help in them. In Jesus' name, amen.